Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Shane Benson. Well, welcome to another episode of Launch University, and uh, we're excited to be with you today and be talking with Dan Duncan from Oust uh, Agency and Oust Labs. Really excited to have you here, Dan. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm joined also by fellow Launch University co-founder, David Farmer. Thanks hey, for Shane, being here, David. Dan, I appreciate you being here. It, Shane, this is interesting because we actually had a listener that reached out to us and said, you've got to meet Dan and have him on the podcast. And so that's how this kind of came about. And it's pretty cool. And quite honestly, um, I wish I had hit record about 30 minutes ago because we've been having this awesome conversation about brands you've been working with and things, exciting things that you've been doing. And so, you know, part of our community within Launch University is really connecting launchers with other launchers. All of us want to be difference makers. And oftentimes there's a gap between where we are today and where we want to be tomorrow. And by connecting folks with other folks that have been there, it's a great way to make um, some help help us learn in ways that we haven't before. And if you're listening today, you're going to not only hear the story of a launcher, but you're going to find out Dan's also in the business of helping other launchers. So uh, we're going to look at this from both sides of the coin today. Yeah, so a lot of really good stuff to jump in. Why don't we just do this first, Dan? First, I would love just kind of an overview of kind of oust and how you got started, a little bit of the backstory, and we'll just kind of jump in. Yeah, and I'll have to tell my mom thank you, for as she's probably the listener of your podcast who made you, made me come on. Thanks, Mom. Well, thanks, thanks, Mom, mom and David's mom, too, because they listen, too, so <laughs> exactly. it's really good. Thanks, Mom. This is such an honor, and I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so my story is one of just failure as quick as possible and then taking steps that, you know, things I learned from that process. And so if I were to really start my story, I went back, graduated from UGA, and that's where my professional career began. And at that point in time, I had no opportunities uh, <laughs> presented to me. And so it was like... What'd you study there? So I studied history. I thought it might be a history teacher if all things didn't work out. I loved history. And then I studied film production. So really kind of honed my skills while I was there as an editor specifically. Um, wanted to do action sports documentary. I was a rock climber. Uh, really, my, my aspirational goal was to just live in Yosemite Valley for a long time and, and really kind of r- wanted to honestly run away from the business world. My dad was a very successful business person, and I carried some scars away from that process of how busy he was and how absent he was at times. And my dad did the very best he could, but you know, on some level I missed him and I didn't want to be that. And so I ran in an opposite direction and, but here I sit today. So, you know, hopefully I've learned from even that as well. So anyway, graduated from UGA, no opportunities in the film world, couldn't get an internship to save my life. And so I went and made a film. I went and made a documentary about six guys traveling across the country, finding themselves, you know, that classic kind of Fifle Goes West a little bit. And uh, because that film got, got made, it caught the attention of a couple guys who were starting an action sports documentary company. And they gave me a shot as first their editor and then their creative director and then partner in what they were building and it was such an incredible opportunity those those guys didn't have to do that and we grew that production company for five years uh and then as 
some businesses do. People have different priorities in life, and uh, two of us kind of came to the conclusion that we didn't believe in the direction the company was going to go. And just to kind of get into some of those failures early on in this topic of conversation, I think we grew up and got married and had houses and started making short-term financial decisions, and we kind of sold our dream in that process mm. of growing mm. that company. Wow. Um, and so for, 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 for one of us, that was the dream. Be financially successful and didn't really matter what we were making as long as we were financially successful. And for, for two of us, uh, we just couldn't pull ourselves out of bed anymore, to be honest. We just didn't believe... It, was, it felt to me only me, it felt soulless about what we were doing and what we were making. And so... It just became a job. It, it I was. I gotta have income. It was. And it's funny how you can start a... You know, I was doing exactly what I wanted to do, action sports documentary, and then slowly pivoting into just something that wasn't that anymore. And it was really for the financial gain and really with a short-term mindset. And so anyway, two of us decided, hey... Why don't the one person who believe, continued to believe in that mission buy us out? And, and then the most incredible, worst, most scary thing ever happened to me is I was under a year-long non-compete um, where I couldn't exist anymore as a creative director in a, in, within 150 miles of Atlanta. And my wife had a great job here. I wasn't moving away from Atlanta. And so uh, thus began this great journey of kind of like this new place that I'm in. And uh, so the non-compete actually forced your hand a little bit. Oh, absolutely. It made me lean into things that one, I probably never would have leaned into and were honestly weaknesses, detail oriented, you know, vision casting and outside of my comfort zone in the film world. And I had this epiphany, though, that, you know, my grandfather gave me eight thousand dollars to start the first production company. Um, and without that $8,000, I'm not sure what I would have done. I mean, it gave me the opportunity to go make that first film. And mm. when I exited, that number had grown exponentially. And I had this moment of not everyone has a grandfather with $8,000. And that to me was just kind of this light bulb moment of I have the ability now because of success and working hard that I can potentially be that, you know, early seed round, small investment level for people that have a genuine dream of like what they were made to do. Um, we kind of say at Aus Labs that most people are one practical step away from doing what they were made to do. And a lot of times that practical step is $8,000. Well, wow. So this non-compete led you to think differently and you went back and referenced, okay, the seed money that your grandfather had given you, which kind of birthed this idea in you and this rebirth of a passion where, hey, I might be able to do the same exact thing with entrepreneurs, startups that are trying to get started and help them get to that next step. And I love the way you said that. Say that one more time again, the practical. Yeah, most people are one practical step away away from doing what they're made to do. And a lot of times that practical step is simply $8,000. Wow. Can I jump in on that? Because you talk about finding something that really you have passion in versus something that's just a job. And I wonder how many of our listeners are just wrestling with that right mm. now. They got a job, but do they have a lot of passion around that job? Or is there something else they really feel like they're called to do? And I was part of a team that went through uh, Simon Sinek's little workshop uh, for his Start With Why uh, book just this last Friday. And so we all spent several hours working on our why. 
So it sounds like you had a good sense of what your why was, mm-hmm. but the focus of the of the agency had drifted a little bit. Yeah, and I think again, um, just because. I don't want to paint that first experience as um, a negative thing. I think it was uh, it was a learning experience, and it was a good failure. I think we have this connotation that even I think in the in the Gary V world that we live in today, and especially in the entrepreneurship, it's like we look at you must change or you must. I think if you if we can fail quickly, you find those little pivots. You don't need these massive pivots. You can pivot. If you're an entrepreneur, you can find a, a space in your business that's a little bit more suited for what your passion is. You don't need to make these like massive changes. For me, it was necessary to make a massive change. And thankfully, my wife was behind me in that. So you're under this non-compete. Your wife's behind you. You've, you've got a new vision, passion. Tell, talk to us about what happened next. Yeah, so quite simply, there was a, there was two people in my life that had that you know, on both occasions, I was helping to create content for at the previous production company and, and they were getting ready to really launch their dreams and they were a small amount of seed money away and, and just some mentorship through that startup journey. And I learned a lot through growing a company over five years, hiring cash flow, things that I never expected to learn in a production company. I learned because we were running a small business and we had employees and insurance and all these other things that I honestly, it's hard to get that experience unless you've been in a small business and you had to take those things into account. And so um, these guys, you know, I, I needed to do something for a year. And so it was, hey, why not help some really good friends of mine launch businesses? And so one was a furniture company up in Gainesville, Georgia called O Sleeper Manufacturing Co. Uh, and he had a dream of basically bringing life to people by putting beautiful functional pieces of furniture in homes. Uh, and, and so I was like, Hey man, I'm, he was, you know, his name's Jerry Chanel, all the credit in the world before he was working in a construction company doing really quality work at a rate that he should be making way more than. And so all he needed was a little bit of money and a little bit of runway and, uh, you know, a little bit of branding, understanding and background. And, we launched his business and now he just bought his first house and I and that cycle was addicting to me. I was like, oh, like it wasn't Facebook, it wasn't Google, but this man's life and th- his family's life was forever changed because of a very small amount of money and a little bit of mentorship. Uh, and I was like, okay. So do you help a startup for a specific amount of time? I'm assuming you get some equity piece of that, but how does that work? Is that a limited engagement? Is it a little bit longer or does it vary? It, I think it varies. I think the startup curve is I've come understand it through six startups now is is really an 18 month curve with like a six month runoff at the end that you're dealing with hiring and 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 things that you you'll learn but the first 18 months is what i think most people need the mentorship and the hand holding and the cash um and line of credit and all of these things to help kind of get through that growth curve so um, dan do you not take income while you're helping them, or do you take some income as well? No. So thankfully, I've always had, uh, in those two, I was taking income as any other employee would have working hourly, like on the shop floor, just doing work with Jerry. But I was paying myself essentially through like the the seed money that I'd put in in that business. And then the other business was a, a new media company. Basically, how do we create a new place for conscious culture online? Um, it was a guy named Sho Baraka. He's a hip-hop artist here in Atlanta. And he wanted to create this really 
incredible online platform where we did, you know, YouTube shows and and uh, podcasts of all things. And 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 in that scenario, again, it was a little bit of money and you know some branding efforts and some video content and and he's running with that as well. So those were the first two businesses I kind of spent that 12 months on. And and again, that kind of reinforced this 18 month curve because by 18 months I was able to take a less of a day-to-day role in those businesses and uh, mentoring them in that way. And they were kind of off running. So the question I think that um, I'm wrestling with, and I think some listeners may wrestle with as well, especially when you're trying to get a business started, a tendency is to say yes to just about any opportunity Hmm. because it could be an opportunity, right? So yes, yes, yes. How did you like qualify from some of those or, or decide or filter out, okay, I've got two or three startups and this one's a little bit better than this one. Hmm. Did you just say yes to everything just as you were getting started or how, how did you go through that filtering process? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, one, it was assessing my bandwidth and understanding the needs. There was some people uh, like Jerry that I'm, I was involved very little after the first six months. Uh, and there was people uh, like show who he had a thriving career. And so he needed me to kind of plug in day to day more as like a president running with a few other people where he was providing vision and, and really kind of the overall vision. And I needed to be way more involved in that business. And so, you know, I have found out at least in my career that if you are putting your all, if something attracts you and you're interested in it, if you push the ball down the court in ways that is sustainable over time in multiple different venues, typically doors close on their own. Uh, you don't have to really try that hard to say yes or no. I think you can kind of say yes until it makes sense to say no. And I think it makes sense. And I think, you know, they have this saying in hiring and HR, like, you know, hire slowly and fire quickly. And I definitely believe that about the work I'm doing is really do my due diligence on the front end. And is this the right thing? And, and that's why I'm excited about what we're doing at Alice Labs now is because I really do get a chance to work alongside these people, see how they work. And that was what I was always trying to work on is how, how gritty are you? How willing to grind and pull 18 hour days? Is that something that's in your vocabulary? Because some people that's not in their vocabulary. Uh, some people work-life balance is something that they are gonna a hill they're gonna die on, and that's a hard line to draw in the sand as you're launching a business. Mm. It is your life, and whether or not you like that or not is you know something you need. To, entrepreneurs need to come to terms with, but. If they were willing to put in the time, I was willing to help them build their business. Yeah, Chris Cornell, he actually said from Boosterthon, he said, there is no such thing as work-life balance. No. It's you're constantly ebbing and flowing on either side. There are moments when you've got to just dive in head first, hard in the business. And then the good leader realizes when you've done that to the best you can do, and then you can pull over and actually shift it a little bit. But this idea of balance is, it's a far-flung idea sometimes, so. So, Dan, you're awfully entrepreneurial for a history major. (laughs) (laughs) What are the characteristics that you think you just have that enable you to do this? I'm I'm making this up, but maybe you're you're not afraid to fail. You're willing to to take that risk, and you're cool if things don't pan out. Uh, Or the energy. You've got the energy that it takes. Talk about some of the things that you believe help you— and it may help some of our listeners 
is they sort of do a little bit of an inventory on, on their own capability and gifts. Do they have what it takes to? So I think the number one thing that makes me capable of being who I am is I kn- I'm not a perfectionist. Perfectionists are some of the worst entrepreneurs hmm. uh, because they cannot ship. They can't get past themselves. Now, my business partner at Oust is a perfectionist, and he is Oust would not be the agency that it is without Carson Nyquist. He drives us and pushes us to be better every single day, but he would never have shipped this business and, the, and shipped me and launched this business as it exists today because it never would have been perfect enough for the world to see it as is. Um, and it would have said something about him if the world had seen it, right? And so I think I, that's the, the number one thing I have to help aspiring entrepreneurs over is you got to ship this and fail and find out what you need to find out about this V1. Mm, that's so, a huge lesson. <laughs> huge lesson. I, yeah. I, so I think knowing, and I failed enough to not be afraid of it anymore. Like I used to be afraid of failure and I used to think it meant something about me personally and that I was missing something. And I think once you fail enough and you, the sun comes up the next day and um, my dad gave me some great advice one day. He said, you know, as you go through this journey, it's never going to be as good as you think it is on that mountaintop moment. It's never as good as you actually think it is. Um, and it's never as bad as you think it is. It's somewhere in between and you kind of just got to let all those things even out. And I think failure falls into that. It's, failing is never as bad as you think it's going to be. In fact, it's sometimes the best opportunity comes so, when you fail. So how do you know when to go deeper? And, and then how do you know when to kind of wind something down and walk away? Yeah, that's... I would say that's my biggest weakness as being an entrepreneur is I genuinely believe that most businesses are achievable and hackable from the from the sense of it's you can launch them and you can find out. I think when the market dictates to you that it's not something they want, that's when you should probably walk away. For me, I'm still – so I, I think it's when it no longer gives you life and you no longer want to wake up and do it every day and, and grind. And I think the other thing is if you're going in debt for it, I think that's the other thing I see some entrepreneurs doing where they believe in a, in a clear vision so succinctly that they're willing to go into incredible debt. And now you have stories like Chris Carneal, if he told his whole story, like incredible amount of risk is associated with launching Boosterthon. I love Chris. He's a mentor of mine. Chris is the, the 1% sometimes when it comes to like how in debt someone's willing to go. And I've seen and I've tried to mentor people out of making that mistake at times. Mm. I think you can shoestring. I think you can bootstrap a business together as long as you are extremely lean. Uh, if you're willing to be super lean, mo- a lot of people shy away from being lean because they want to be seen as successful. That's the number one pitfall of being an entrepreneur. It's interesting, though. You actually fill that niche a little bit, I feel like. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm thinking about going heavily into debt to try and build this infrastructure, make this business, what you're offering, I think, is, hey, I will become a business partner with you, but what that debt in turn is going to pay for is some expertise that maybe you don't have. And I do feel like that's a little bit of a niche that seems to be successful. If you have a good enough idea, someone's going to invest in it. If you have a bad idea, no one's going to invest in it. And if you can't convince someone to buy into your idea, you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, it's kind of like the it bottom line It may be worth me. just shopping around just for that it, absolutely. assessment, right? If everyone slams a door in your face, 
there is a chance good sign. That, that you should assess why they don't see value. Now, of course, you have the you know the Ubers of the world that like everyone said, like, no, there's a there's a business model that exists and disrupting it is you don't own a car. How can you have a transportation company? So there's people out there breaking this mold, but they generally live in Silicon Valley. And so if you don't live there and there's not crazy venture capital backing you on these kind of kind of huge entrepreneurial journeys, and I think that's one thing where I distinguish what I do is I don't know that world. I don't know million round seed money types of ideas. I'm in the world of, you know, a hundred thousand dollar seed map like where that would change their entire landscape. Where twelve thousand dollars would change their entire landscape. That's what I live in. So outside of that, I have I no keep, idea. I can't help it, but I keep going back to one of my favorite shows on TV, The Prophet. Do you ever watch that? I've, guy, I've heard of the show. The, you you remind me so much of him because <laughs> essentially what he does is he goes into you know these companies that are trying to start up, start a business, and he goes, okay, I'll invest. But we're going to make decisions together. We're going to figure this out. And what they need is maybe some experiential knowledge or some, you know, marketing knowledge or what have you. But he kind of partner together to watch this business be successful. And it's very fascinating TV because it's real. And you've got people's lives are dependent upon these businesses trying to be successful. For sure. And they desperately want it, but they don't know how to get there. And I feel like you're filling that gap for people sometimes. And, I, and I, that's what, you know, when we launched Aus, we launched Aus. 18 months ago. So that's the creative agency that I'm the president of. And we do incredible branding work and, and film production work and photography and everything to build a brand in this day and age, we do over there. And we, and we, and we do it, I think, better than most. But the, the goal in doing it better than most is so that we can take all those lessons where I'm sitting in rooms with the executives at Facebook and Twitter and Audi and other businesses, taking what they know and what they're learning and then applying it to the startup space and applying it to the the new cigar company that we're helping to launch right now or the new protein bar company that we're helping to launch right now and saying, hey, I know this level of expertise that's coming out of Facebook. Let's apply it to our ad campaign here. And so that's why we launched Alice, to become the best agency for Atlanta in Atlanta that then we could focus through Alice Labs in the startup world and yeah, hopefully bridge that gap exactly like you're talking about and provide that level of expertise and mentorship, financial investment, but also the creative agency side that I think it, it, it no, does not make sense to me that it doesn't, hasn't existed yet. There's a company in New York called Red Antler, which shout out to them because they really are the trailblazers in the world that Aus Labs and Aus lives. But for the most part, it's, it, it's crazy to me that the creative agency world hasn't said, we hold all the keys to helping startups succeed. Let's just help them figure it out. We own all the content. We own all the creative execution. Why are we not saying, hey, new business, we can help you succeed and take investment and take equity and help them succeed? I, I love this. Um, I love the, f- the way that you're talking about helping the people where $10,000 or maybe on the high end $100,000 changes everything. I had the chance to be out in San Francisco in Silicon Valley two weeks ago. And uh, as a lot of our listeners know, Shane and I are both part of Chick-fil-A. So we're sometimes shopping for solutions capabilities. So we actually partnered up with some venture capital firms out there, was out at a venture capital firm out on Sand Hill Road, which is the epicenter of it all out there. 
And we probably met with about 20 companies. But it is such a different world, and it's so high stakes. And they go through rounds and rounds. It's super complicated. It's a long, long process. So this is so refreshing when we strip it down to what feels to me like just the essence of entrepreneurialism. Mm -hmm. We want to demystify entrepreneurship and investment. Yeah. I mean, that. so we have a a venture roundtable. We we don't call it. Sorry. One of my co-founders is going to kill me for calling it that. We call it an investment roundtable because we're not talking about venture-level investment, but our investor roundtable where we have a group of seven guys and their communities, and we are actively helping to demystify investment and bring investment into what we quantify as rounding errors. What is your rounding error in your current like income? And let's help take that rounding error and put it into a local business and help someone. Let's let that rounding error be a practical step for someone to do what they were made to do. And so for some people, their rounding error is $8,000. For me, that's what it was back, you know, seven years ago. Uh, Now that rounding error, thankfully, is a much larger number. But I can take that rounding error in my yearly income and help someone do what they were made to do. And I'm super into that. And what are you looking for when you do that? I mean, you're looking to help somebody, but what are you looking for from a return standpoint? Uh, So oust labs exists as a platform. We don't actually take equity in any businesses that we're serving. So we have a three-month accelerator uh, where we, we call it our launch accelerator. Where we help a, an idea go to launch. Uh, and that is, you know, $25,000 and it's $5,000 up front. Uh, thank you, Chick-fil-A, for the model uh, because we, were, we, just, we wanted $5,000. We want some skin in the game, but we want to help you gain that $20,000 of investment on the back end to help you launch your dream. And so then we have our investor roundtable where hopefully they gain at least that $20,000 of investment and we'll only have allow for someone to go into the accelerator, the, the, the launch accelerator, if we think that they can gain that investment amongst our network. Okay. Uh, and so then hopefully they gain that investment and then they would go into what we call our startup studio, which is a two-year accelerator where we help, hope to take them to $2 million, where we kind of feel now you've, now you've exited our level of um, expertise from a mentorship standpoint and you can enter into our studio's and we can just help you from a project-based um, level, less of a startup level. So, That's yeah. really healthy growth. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a big challenge. Oh, it's a huge yeah. it's a huge opportunity for folks. I'm, I'm curious, having been a part of this space, the startup world, if you look across the landscape right now, is it are you seeing more or less startups? Hmm. Um, and then I want to follow that up with a second question. So answer that first. Are you seeing Ugh. more entry into this? You I don't want to get on a soapbox. Um, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I hear Charlton, one of my co-founders in my head, like, don't, don't do this. But, but you're about to? I'm about to. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Um, there's way more startups now. And, I, and we're in the golden age of startups because – you can launch a very lean. If someone came to me tomorrow and said, I want to launch an airline, there's a lean way to launch an airline today. You write an app that connects pilots with private planes that you, you Uber the situation where you don't own a plane, but you have an airline, right? So everyone can kind of hack their way into an MVP. And it's from the MVP on that most people kind of either win or lose. Um, And most people still lose today because most people are not entrepreneurs. Most people are not solo founders or, you know, partners with with people that balance them out in a a good way. So 
there is way more because you have the Gary V's of the world telling people to quit their jobs and chase their dreams and they will find the money at the end of the rainbow. And there's truth in that statement. There really is truth in do what you were made to do because we believe that holistically. But there are some people who what you were made to do can be applied in a million different ways. And one of those ways is to start your own business. And it's sexy and it's cool. The first 18 months of launching your business will be the worst 18 months of your entire life. Amen. Just know that going in. But no one says that, right? No one says you're going to fail a lot. Your family's going to question you. You're going to, your, your wife may look at you and say, what are you doing? No, like, cause everyone is programmed to want to wrap everyone that they care for in bubble wrap. And so when you say, Hey, I'm going to take all this bubble wrap off and I'm going to jump into the deep end, you know, that's a very scary thing. And so you need to be confident enough to, to go into those waters. And I think some people just self-doubt creeps in and then, or failure to launch creeps in. And, you know, the idea of it is way more sexy than actually getting your hands dirty. And so I think there are way more, unfortunately, because, and unfortunately there's not that, there's not more entrepreneurs in the world. There's more aspiring entrepreneurs in the world. Uh, and that's kind of the state that we live in today. I hear you say that. I flash back to Dana Spinola fabric opens up her first store. It gets broken into everything stolen everything she had that went into the store it's gone that's not that's no fun that's well, not and, you sexy know, that's which, hard which is you know what helped her the most was and yet she still wanted to do it i right. mean spent the next 18 hours on the phone begging for more you know shipment back to the store it's just a great story because what you saw in that because that one example you just have to think ahead to go okay if this were to happen to me would i still want to do it is yes it, is it the success i'm after or is it the game that's do i enjoy yes. that game do i enjoy this lifestyle of trying to figure out problems and solve them why what we don't invest in one of the questions we ask for the the launch accelerator is why is this your dream because if it's not your dream to do this, but you just want to be deemed successful in this world that values entrepreneurship and, and you know, freedom to do whatever you so choose as the highest thing. And it, but if it's just a means to an end, you will fail because it has to be your dream. You have to live and breathe it and gain life from it. And everyone around you needs to see you gaining life from it so that it can support you through it. And if it's just a means to an end, you will fail. If you're posing, you're going to get exposed. Absolutely. I loved your analogy, though, of the bubble wrap. I mean, it's it's very similar to a Rocky movie. You are going to get beat up and busted up, and do you still want to get back in the ring? Do you still want to be in the fight? Um, I think these are excellent questions to be asking yourself yeah. if you're thinking about kind of going on your own. Um, and we talk a lot about there is a, there is some uh, beauty in – uh, attempting the side hustle. I mean, sometimes that's an entry way to mm -hmm. kind of say, hey, is the entrepreneurial gig a thing that I'd want to do? And yeah. you can try that by creating your own side hustle and messing around, getting with some partners and trying some things. But it, before you make that giant step in, you really do need to ask some of these more serious questions. Yeah. And again, are you, we, we only invest in someone who owns the, the like space they want to be in. So if someone comes to me with a great app idea, but they're not a programmer, we're never going to invest in you because you need to own the IP. Mm. You're going to pay way too much money and someone else creating it for you. Just because you have a good idea doesn't mean you should do it. You need to know the space. You need to know how it works. And if you are a founder in that space, then great. Let's, let's build something around you. But we need to be able to build a business around you, not find someone, not be 
the a cog in the business's wheel and you know help finding someone who can own that expertise let me get to the second question so yeah. um thanks for first kind of giving us a state of kind of where yeah, the sorry if I, no i love it in, for, in regards to where entrepreneurs are i want you to th- talk to that listener out there um you've worked with a lot of startups you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs what advice would you give somebody that's listening, that's thinking about, you know, maybe they're in the middle of it, maybe they're really discouraged right now. What what advice would you give them to keep the faith and keep moving forward? Yeah, I, I would say one, find other entrepreneurs that are six months and 12 months down the road. I feel like we are generally surrounding ourselves with people that are in the exact same launch phase that we are. Uh, and, and I think that's a, the pity of most other accelerators is it's like they put people in these cohorts and they're only surrounded by people in that same phase of, of launching. And so everyone's dealing with the same problems and, and it can become this negative feedback loop or just a pity party that people throw for themselves. Uh, and, I think you need to surround yourself with people who are, you know, not so far down the road that they can't relate to where you are anymore, but are, are six months and 12 months down the road and you can be picking their brains and what did you do when? And, and that's what we try to do at in-house labs is pair every business with a business that's six and then 12 months further down the line because they know exactly the stage that they're in. We have one, we have two clothing businesses in house labs currently. Um, one's called we society and one's called in God, we must. And, and God, we must is about 18 months further down the line than we, but they still are dealing with the same buying issues and sourcing issues. And so they're sharing best practices and, and it's encouraging Elijah, who is the founder of in God, we must, because it's, he, he's re-energized because this guy sees the opportunity in the market. And so, you know, Surround yourself with people who are above and behind you, not just in your state and not and don't surround yourself with people that are just going to tell you the like you're doing great because you could be sucking. (laughs) You could be doing everything wrong and you need the truth tellers in your life to tell you what they actually see. And then the third thing is, is if you're struggling, but you're struggling in this constant iteration not launching cycle that's probably why you're you know really getting in this really tough place and hard place of feeling like you're not doing anything because you're not you need to launch you need to ship something out there and then iterate off of it and learn about what thing you didn't think about what 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 part of your product did you overlook and then quickly iterate from there and continue to fail quickly that's my number one piece of advice fail quickly yeah you referenced mvp earlier just just yeah. two sentences of refresher on that for folks the yeah. whole minim, minimally viable product yeah. idea yeah yeah you don't need to launch with your finished product that is a terrible idea and a very costly one you need to launch with a thing that you can scientifically ascertain what the market actually wants from that hypothesis that you tried to solve and then gain as much feedback as you can from that MVP and then launch a V1 and then hopefully three weeks later you're launching a V2 and three weeks later you want we, we try to be in monthly cycles of, of iterations we talk about this a lot but we introduced it's not new language it's very familiar out there in the innovation circles but we talk about the launch loop and it's understand imagine prototype validate and launch and oftentimes we 
think we understand the problem, we imagine, and that's a lot of fun, straight to launch. Yep. Or we keep working on it, keep working on it, keep working on it to perfect it to go to launch versus what you talked about, that prototype is so important because that's where you iterate and that's mm-hmm. where you realize, oh, that's not exactly what they want. You go back to understand and imagine. So I do think there's some real wisdom in what you just said. It's just like get it out there quickly, learn, fail quickly so that you can come back and prototype even more. And I'm not the first one to say it. If you have not led, read The Lean Startup, you should. I read it probably once a year at this point in time just because it is so good with how it breaks down this entrepreneurship cycle, and it it encourages you that it this entrepreneurship journey is hackable if you're willing to turn it into a scientific experiment. If you want it to be emotional and feely and all of these things that we you know romanticize about this entrepreneurial journey, it's not, and 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 you're gonna fail if you want it to be this like rags to riches story. But if you're willing to iterate and get your hands dirty and and turn it into a what am I expecting to get out of this experiment? Okay, it, pro- it was proved yes or no, then uh, it can be, and you can be successful in it. So, Shane, I'm, here's a couple of big takeaways I'm getting from the time here with Dan. Uh, one is, at this point, you, you got to ship stuff if you're ever going to make this thing viable. Yep. But two, you go back earlier, you said perfectionism is going to be an enemy. So good question for our listeners to ask is, am I stuck trying to get it too perfect? And then this whole idea that you got to surround yourself with people that can be truth tellers. They can encourage you when you need that. They can shout you down when you need that. I, I, I keep hearing when you were saying that Jeff Schinnerberger in my head, he's acknowledged that so many people that are out there launching are just lonely uh, because they are grinding mm-hmm. it out. And well, it's in- inherently built that way. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you have an idea that you've personally thought about it and you got a passion, you want to go out there and you find yourself on an island at times. So great point, David. So you've got to find a community that you can plug into, like your house lab, something like that, where you can, it's fuel. You need the fuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dan, this has been terrific. I mean, we could keep on talking about this. <laughs> I do want to make sure that I think there's a lot of people probably listening right now um, and a, a couple takeaways for sure that uh, we'll also put in the show notes. So that way, if you're driving, I hope you're not texting and driving and trying to take notes, but it'll be in the show notes. But for our listeners, please share with us, like, how can they get in touch with Oust or Oust Labs and just learn more about what you guys are doing? So yeah, uh, we would love to connect with anyone that this resonates with or just has questions or is looking to jump in into an accelerator. So the best way to do that is just to probably Google Aus Labs. We are Aus.co is kind of like our our agency's website, and you'll there will be a Labs tab there that you can kind of get to. That's O U S T. That's right. Yeah. WeAreOust.co is kind of the website that would probably be most easy to get to, but let's just be honest, you're going to Google it anyway. So just Google Oust And I think Labs. people can also follow you on Instagram, For Facebook, sure, yeah, at Dan social Dunk. Channels. Um, awesome. Social channels is at Dan Dunk on everything, um, and then at WeAreOust.co on all the the instagrams and facebooks and stuff like that so well this has been fantastic man i'm 
so grateful. And in many ways, whether you know it or not, you, you really helped launch university today. <laughs> so I, I'm taking tons of notes, and especially uh, as I think about how we're trying to continue to grow this community and help other launchers that are out there. Because in the end, we truly all are trying to be difference makers. Yeah. And um, so appreciate you taking some time today to kind of share some of those insights and that's, as experiences that you had all along the way to help launchers become difference makers. So thanks to you. Godspeed to you. David, thanks so much for joining me today. And yeah. And hey, Shane, if other listeners want to suggest guests we might have on the podcast, bring it. Hey, John, thanks for suggesting yeah, Dan. this is awesome. So thanks, yeah, thank Dan. you. Thank you for having me. And I think anything like this that helps entrepreneurs hear something outside of the echo chamber that can be the entrepreneurship circle is a truth teller. Find those truth tellers. Find that creative engine that can help you stand apart as an entrepreneur, uh, whether that be an Alice Labs or something else completely, because um, you do need to stand apart. There's a lot of people trying to do what we're trying to do, uh, and so find ways to differentiate yourself. But this was such an honor and such a great podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of the Launch University podcast. And as usual, we love to provide for you additional resources that are available at launchuniversity.com. That's youuniversity.com. And there you can find things like the Launch Loop, the uh, personal brand assessment, as well as a new resource called Elevator Pitch. So please visit us at launchuniversity.com and leave us your reviews. We'd also like to figure out how to get better. And as we continue to try and grow uh, this community of launchers, uh, encourage your friends to subscribe as well as each of us are on this journey of becoming difference makers. And we want to try and help others become difference makers as well. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.